This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about all the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And this is Who's There of whatever week this is. Wow. Another great opener. (laughs) I'm getting worse at it. Another great opener from your favorite (laughs) podcast. I keep trying to convince myself that I'm going to like come up with a good one and then I don't. So there's something about the kind of the rhythm of the opening that we just haven't mastered, even though the jokes are there for us. We just can't seem to make them. Mm -hmm. And it's also like, you know, you get the the you know the three tier the boom 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 of i'm lindsey weber i'm bobby finger and here's a joke like it's a perfect structure for but it's also like and here's falling off a cliff like it doesn't (laughs) you know and but then every time we just talk about how bad it is so it's like now it's this own internal meme within the show that it's going to be bad so it's always going to be bad you know what we should start doing what our joke could be i'm bobby finger i'm lindsey weber and and then we just like do the theme song Oh, like you know how the the cliff the cliff analogy reminded me of the end of Thelma and Louise, where they clasp hands, they fly <laughs> off the cliff, and then it freeze frames while they're in midair, and we die. <laughs> and you, but you never, but you never see us die. You know what I'm okay, saying? So we They'll don't never die. See us? Okay. the The audience will never hear us fail the, miserably at the joke. The question is, do I now leave in this conversation about that, or just do that? Yes, leave this in so that the audience knows. In the future. Oh, God. Everything we do for our audience, man. Uh, we love you guys. Um, speaking of it, let's start the show. You will trailer. Yeah, 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 they want to know. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, come on. Hey. I want to be famous. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Uh, you guys already got some calls about this, but I wanted to shed some light on the whole uh, Heather Graham and Chad Michael Murray writing a novel together. Because my first thought when they said with Heather Graham is that there's a romance novelist named Heather Graham. And I only know this because I like, work at a public library and we've got 5,000 of her books. <laughs> um, but then I, like, I was Googling and I was like, okay, but like, that, that's like, what? And like, there's a bustle article online, too, that is like actress Heather Graham. But then I went back to another article where, like from 2014, where Chad Michael Murray started talking about it. And he was saying it was with author Heather Graham. So there's two Heather Grahams out there. One who is like a star of screen and one who just writes romance novels. A lot of them that sound a lot like that American Drifter, so I feel like that's what's going on. It's kind of like a James Patterson-esque co-writing situation. Thanks. Bye. I had no idea. And crazily enough, like a few months ago, I wrote a feature for Racked about a romance novel bookstore, and I've never come across Heather Graham, the romance novelist, but she is prolific she writes under the name heather graham and shannon drake which actually does sound familiar and she's written over 150 books it looks like based on uh based on her website it looks like she sort of transitioned from romance into like suspense and sort of crimey paranormally i kind of love freaky stuff that's awesome first of all did you see the url of her website read it yeah the the original (laughs) heathergram.com she's amazing (laughs) also i was looking at a photo of her and Tell me if I'm wrong. She looks like Lisa Gibbons mixed with J.K. Rowling mixed with a flat iron. Wait. Oh, like not on her face, like in her hair. In she her hair. She flat ironed her hair. Um, and some of her books, can I just read some of these titles for read you? Read them. Because they're great titles. They're great. Uh, Tender Taming, 
Quiet Walks the Tiger, Sensuous Mm. Angel, An Angel's Share, Dante's Daughter, Eden's Spell, The Devil's Mistress. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) Um, It'd be funny if you start like scrolling backwards and suddenly it's like, uh, Boogie Nights. (laughs) Um, I can't think of it. Say It Isn't So. What if Heather Graham wrote the novels that inspired Heather Graham's movies? That would be incredible. Uh, I doubt it, but that would be amazing. Um, I just also love her URL. She's like, "Um, I'm the real real Heather Graham. Uh, I don't know who that other Heather Graham is. And let's be honest, the original Heather Graham is probably has much more money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you mean the romance Heather Graham? I think romance Heather Graham has. Oh, she's loaded. Is doing far better. She's loaded. Romance novelists are very fast writers also, famously fast writers. They can churn out like five books a year or something. They're crazy. I bet I bet several romance novels have novelists have already written books about the recent election. <laughs> like a passionate love affair that happens on election night. Um Oh, and it's very sexy and like, oh, Hillary loses, but they have like really wild sex. Wait, but like what like, so, so then good. what happens? What's the stakes? That it's like, even if the world is falling apart, they have each other. Is it a Trump supporter and a Clinton supporter that meet on election night? No, I think it's two Hillary Clinton supporters who like come together in their grief. Oh, okay, cool. They come together in their grief. Oh, God, ew. Next comment. They come together in their grief. I get it. (laughs) Can you please Um, move on? So, next comment. Hi, it's David. Good morning. It is 11 a.m. on a Sunday, and I'm still in bed. Um... And I was calling because I listened to the most recent podcast where you talked about Darren Aronofsky and the question of, is he still married to Rachel Weiss? When did they break up? Is Rachel Weiss remarried? Really surprised me because Rachel Weiss is married to a super them, Daniel Craig. And personally, next to Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz, who I think are like the themiest secret couple that don't really ever get photographed together. Rachel Weiss and Daniel Craig are probably, I think, like the second themiest secret couple. So I just wanted to clarify that. I'm sure someone else has called in and said the exact same thing. And also, this is totally unrelated, and just a thought that I thought maybe you guys would appreciate, um, is this week on Graham Norton show, Rosamund Pike told a story about how when she was eight months pregnant, she went to a rave in the meatpacking because she loves house music, a 6 a.m. rave. And I told this to my best friend, and she goes, who's Rosamund Pike? And so I thought, because of Gone Girl, that Rosamund Pike was super themmy. I mean, she was like a meme the entire time that movie was in theaters. But maybe I'm the only person who recognizes this 37-year-old British actress is a them? I don't know. Well, hope you're having an awesome day today. Good form, Bella Thorne. I, I mean, I, I feel like I speak for Lindsay as well in saying that we feel so stupid for not bringing up Daniel Craig. We just How did we a that? very solemn and lazy expl- explainer of Darren Aronofsky. I'm willing Absolutely. to admit it. Um, we didn't do our due diligence and we just didn't give the full explainer. And a lot of you set, commented and said, hey, FYI, all of these things. And you're right, all of those things. We should go over them. Yeah, let's go over them. <laughs> you're going to go over them. Oh, well, number one, Rachel Weiss. When she broke up with Darren Aronofsky, she started 
dating and eventually married Daniel Craig. Um, I, I, I would put Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem like a notch above the two of them in terms of like joint themminess because that's like two oscar winners more internationally famous i, just I would feel say like daniel craig because he is james bond james bond he's so he's hooey just because james bond is like everyone and no one and it's it's never been defined by someone since sean connery and since then it's like oh it's this other guy i don't know i just i don't see him as being somebody outside of that phenomenon kind of yeah do you know what i mean and i and i think that even though like you can you can sort of assume that oh daniel craig and Rachel Weiss are probably so happy and such a good couple. They also lack like the immediate sex appeal of Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz too, which I think True. helps their themminess. Um, but that's a very interesting point because you never see every once in a while you'll see you never see them, uh, them on the beach. Yeah, but it's really really rare, and it, and it um, sort of proves the point that like if you don't want to be photographed by paparazzi, it's pretty easy not to be. Um, also, someone else brought up that Jennifer Lawrence dated Chris Martin after she dated Nicholas Holt, to which I say Chris Martin is a total who. Just because I I know I never believed that. I, I still don't believe that. Coldplay is a them and Chris Martin is a who. You can't have two first names. It's just very confusing. He's extremely bland and has no mm-hmm. personality. And if anything, only themy because of Gwyneth and their divorce and their kids' yeah. names. We talked about this. Yeah, we've talked about this. And also, I feel like I've had this conversation with you, or if not you, someone else. It also seems like when Gwyneth Paltrow married Chris Martin, I think in Gwyneth Paltrow's mind, Chris Martin was much more famous and much more of a rock star than he actually is. Yeah. I think I think she was like, oh, I'm marrying Mick Jagger. I'm right. marrying like John Lennon. But she but marries really... a guy who wears like patchwork vests while he plays the piano. Like that is yeah. not. Just like really lame. Just like, uh, like, oh, uh, you'll, it's fine. <sighs> you want him to be the father of your children, whatever. Fine. But he's not like cool. Or maybe not. Maybe he is. I don't know. He's, that's just not what comes off. <laughs> Um, that's just not what comes across, excuse me. Um, and I think there was one more thing. Oh. Rosamund Pike. Well, that too. But the one, the one more thing about the, there's lots of like gossip around, uh, around, uh, Darren Aronofsky, I guess. Cause you had said that he maybe hooked up with Natalie Portman or that was a rumor. Somebody made yeah, a the very. Yeah, the rumor is that, the rumor well, is that he fathered her first child. Okay. But somebody made a very good point that she married the choreographer from Black Swan. So it was yes. like, how many people could she have been hooking up with? Well, I remember it was a very like, oh, no, they didn't. And it still is like a a crazy days and nights rumor that it was sort of a revenge marriage. (gasps) Like she was scorned by Darren and then thought the the choreographer guy was like cute and nice and whatever, or like was maybe doing it simultaneously. But it almost there was a narrative being pushed back when Black Swan came out by the gossip sites that. It was sort of a sham marriage that was a direct response to her being scorned by Darren Aronofsky. Damn. Whatever. But like, that's crazy. That's just, but that's like really juicy gossip stuff. Okay, that that is juicy. Like what? 2011. Very juicy. Now moving on to Rosamund Pike. You are right. She never ascended to themdom. I don't expect anyone to know who she is, even after Gone Girl was like a pretty big hit or people really liked it. Uh, She didn't shine out of that. If anything, Ben Affleck stole her shine. Ben Affleck stole her shine because it was Ben Affleck's comeback. 
Right. And his penis. Because it was like Argo, Argo, whatever. He had just won the Oscar for Argo for, for whatever. But Ben Affleck's penis, yes. And also it was like, oh, Ben Affleck's actually still a movie star. Right. And that is his, even though she is the more memorable character and she is, you know, the, the creation that people will, will remember. And she was good. Jillian Flynn creating and like this iconic uh, sort of villain antihero. The, the best part of the movie is Ben Affleck's performance. Right. Well, it's also, it's so memorable. It's so memorable, especially because you go into Gone Girl having read the book and having seen the trailers, expecting to be sort of blown away and by the Gone Girl side. And knowing all of the gossip about Ben Affleck's personal life, you're kind of like, wow, this is a great role for him because he is a yes. devious man. Who cheat? Yes, a cheater. A who's devious like, man. Devious, yes. And it's, and so you, that movie was very surprising in that. It was supposed to be a setup for Rosamund Pike, who arguably is, I hate saying this, but like older than the typical like it girl. I know. know? I know what you're trying to say. So I, but I think she recognizes this. I don't think she ever expected this to be a huge break for her because she's already in her mid thirties when she filmed it. Right. So. But but it wasn't, is what we're saying. And you're right. It wasn't. She remained a who. And she's still a who and she's still acting and any movie you see Rosamund Pike in, you you love her in. Pride and Prejudice, The World's End, which she's barely in, and she's so great. And uh, what's the what's the one with Carrie Mulligan? An Education. She has like four scenes, and she's yeah, so she's good, good in them. But Rosamund Pike is fine. She's still a who. Very British still. Like, she's still folk. Like, right? She like, does a lot, a lot of British lot stuff. A lot of the movies that she is in coming up next are British things like this tv mm-hmm. series thunderbirds are go which I oh i just saw that of. yeah what is that british is that bbc or something no but her her character's name is lady penelope which is the most british thing i've ever heard in my entire life how is that life. not british then <laughs> um wait it must be british i don't know i didn't right. click i didn't click on it um speaking of british tv shows with people who um, might be breakouts with who's that might break out the star of um the crown Oh, what's her name? I have. I'm not going to watch that. Why not? You would like it. I don't know. I feel like it's. I watched it. Claire Foy is the girl. Claire Foy. Okay, I've heard and that I name. I think I think she is going to be a thing. I th- well, I think that she she's a who now. She was in Wolf Hall. She's also one of those British maybe crossovers. She's like Game of Thronesy in right now, where mm-hmm. people who watch The Crown are like, oh damn, she's good. But <laughs> she might, you know, take it further. Yeah. Maybe, but it worry. I mean, it worries me because worries she's going. It's a, well, it's just like all those people in Game of Thrones. Great, good for you. You're in a very like iconic, culture defining show, generation defining show. But what do you do after? And I think it's... I know. Sh- she might be so... After six seasons, the show has already been approved for six seasons. Wait, which one? What is one? she going to do after this? The, the crown? crown? Really? That's one of the main reasons I'm not going to watch it because I don't want to invest six seasons, seasons? Oh, well. I don't need six seasons okay, on well. Queen Elizabeth II. Well, I'm neither sorry, do, Well, that. neither does the show. If you watch the show, you definitely don't need six seasons. I want six seasons on Queen Elizabeth I. Oh. That's who's interesting. Okay. Or Victoria. Call Kate. That was Kate's breakout. She's that was Kate's breakout. Busy. Yes. <laughs> She's busy Kate being so busy. famous. <laughs> and doing Ocean's 8. Okay. What are we... What, what weird turns did I, we take? We just started talking about that. British people and there's so much to say because they're all so <laughs> freaking confusing. And they're so busy. They're so busy. <laughs> they British actors work so 
much. I just can't believe it's going to be six seasons because one, that show is Netflix's most expensive show, supposedly. And secondly, it didn't even pop off at all in terms of people caring. Like Stranger Things stole its thunder and it never, it has not been talked about. I think they're counting on a slow burn. Also, it's the most expensive show and that's including the six seasons. Oh, that's 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 cumulative. Okay, because they greenlit for six seasons, it's expensive. Because I was going to say, the the first season, it looks nice, but it doesn't look. It's not, you know, it's it's no Sense Eight, which looks extremely expensive when you watch it. You're like, (laughs) God, people actually watch Sense Eight. Here we go. First question. Hey guys, it's Mackenzie. Uh, I was calling to talk to you about the most ridiculous thing on Khloe Kardashian and Kris Jenner's Instagram account, which is this very weird gold silverware thing in a gold egg. Seems really weird because it's insane that the Kardashians are still hawking anything, but also the fact that they're hawking this, like, weird orb and the fact that it's called mood, like, mood is the name of the egg. Anyway, um, I'd love to get your take on it. Thanks. Bye. I just love... I, I mean... I'm basing this on one photo because I've only, I didn't see this on Chris's. I only saw this on Chloe's. What was it last week? And it's like her at like her breakfast table, and she's just. It doesn't explain what this thing is. No, That's and it doesn't so even funny. look like anything. It doesn't look like anything. It's just Chloe smiling, um, with her you know top knot or like tie ponytail, Ariana Grande ponytail, just like. Hey, look at my egg. But the caption doesn't say what it is. No, so Lindsay, it doesn't. Explain what this so egg is. Chris is actually does say what it is. Props to Chris for doing a proper spawn. Chloe's also <laughs> is really far away. It just looks like a generic egg with some confusing stuff in it. Chris, it looks like decoration. Chris has her egg open. You can see that there are spoons and forks and knives in the egg, in the gold egg. And Chris's <laughs> caption reads, "Partner, can't wait to set my holiday table with my new gold mood from Christoffel." Hashtag mood by Christoffel. So if you Google mood by Christoffel egg, like you're like, what is this egg? You will find that it is a mood cutlery egg and the gold version, which is what they're both holding on to. Listen, wait, stop. What? What is a mood cutlery egg? It is an egg. Is mood a brand? Mood is like the style. (laughs) Mood? I don't know. They're just calling it that. Does it change colors if you're like in a bad mood eating pizza or like in a good mood eating pizza? It's an egg that is filled with forks and knives that are made out of gold and it costs (laughs) $11,000. And you would think, okay, so for $11,000, I better get enough forks and knives for the whole table. If I'm having Thanksgiving, how many people do you have over Thanksgiving, right? Usually, you know, you have like eight people. Eight, ten people. So you're Including like, okay, your ten. this egg better have enough forks and knives for them. No, you'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there are oh. only, uh, there are 24 of it's a It's for six place settings? Six, are you kidding me? It's for six place settings. Oh my God. <laughs> $11,000 and not even everyone gets to use a gold fork. <laughs> Imagine, imagine being at the kids' table with like the reg, like the shitty silverware, like the thousand dollar silverware. <laughs> you get plastic. That you- and then meanwhile, everyone is like enjoying the freshly cut turkey with their mood egg cutlery, and you've got to wait it's, for the cold turkey. It's truly strange to me the range of things that the Kardashians will sell on their Instagram because just because Chloe is selling an eleven thousand dollar egg on her Instagram does not mean that tomorrow she won't sell a waist trainer that costs fifteen ninety nine. There is no standard here. 
I just, I want to know how many, and this is also the type of product where, like, you wouldn't have to, they wouldn't have to sell many a year for it to be okay. Like, especially if they're, uh, uh, here comes my inner shark tank. I'm like, I'm learning terminology on shark tanks. So, I like, know, I'm using same. It more. Don't even start. But, it's like, so embarrassing. let's say their margins are really good, and this egg only costs them, like, $2,000 to make. They could sell like 10 in a year and be fine. My other question is... And they could is, justify the production cost. After watching way too many episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, uh, Chris and mostly Courtney aren't really Chloe, but whatever, but they're really into home furnishings. And it wouldn't surprise me if they got free eggs for promoting the egg. If they were just of like, we really they did. want this gold egg, we'll just do it on our... We'll give you an Instagram. You just get an Instagram. It could have easily been, it could have easily been like backordered or sold out and they were like, we need it now. We'll put it on Chloe's and mine. What do you think? Yeah. It's like, great. Right. Exactly. So again, not surprising, but it just, it's funny because Chloe is less of a promoter of garbage than most of the Kardashians, I think, even though Kim has been totally off the radar with yeah, everything. Also, Chloe's garbage is still bad. Chloe's like, garbage is still bad. trainers are certainly destroying sure. her inside. But she's been mostly doing her own gene line, which I respect a little bit more because it's at least it's your product. If you're going to sell something, sure. like let it be okay. on your own garbage. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kylie, sell your lip kits. You <laughs> put know? your name on put, it. Put your name on it. Yes, yeah. like actually put the work in to make a company and sell yeah, garbage yeah, yeah. versus selling other people's garbage. They've been doing and less arguably, that's a better business decision too you're making more money sure and also put your name on something you actually like and sell it what's the difference you're still selling it Mm -hmm. I don't know anyways thank you for calling me about that Chloe brand diet tea Um, (laughs) I mean they would make so much money off that here we go next call hi Lindsay hi Bobby I have a question okay so I'm reading this Teen Vogue article (laughs) Steve Bannon eight things to know about Donald Trump's chief strategist and I know who Steve Bannon is, so that's not really my question. My question is, there's a bunch of things on here like, oh, he used to work for Breitbart. He might be anti-Semitic, blah, blah, blah. Then we get to number seven, which is Bannon owns a stake in Seinfeld. That means the reruns make him money. What in the world is Teen Vogue trying to tell me from this? Are they trying to tell me I should stop watching Seinfeld? Is this some sort of statement about, like, anti-Semitism? Like, what, how how did they find this? What is the relevance of this? Oh, guys, I just don't know. Everything is so dark, and now Seinfeld. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, so what the caller is calling about, what I love about this call, I mean, I don't want to really think or talk about this, but what's interesting about this call is you found, like, the most interesting angle on this very much overdone story. So uh, Stephen Bannon, which we should all be talking about a ton, is Mm -hmm. this right-wing... Uh, anti-Semitic, homophobic, racist, awful person who runs a very, very fucked up website called Breitbart News, which you definitely have been aware of in the past few months because it's where a lot of conservative people are getting their news now. It's super, they're super conspiracy theorists. They're super uh, sexist, bigoted, bigoted, (laughs) anything you can imagine. It's pretty awful to go on that website and Mm -hmm. read it. No, it's no good. And so now Donald Trump has appointed him chief strategist and senior counselor for his campaign well he was on his campaign but now he is he was already the this the the highest member of donald trump's campaign and now he but is now helping... donald trump's gonna bring him into the actual white house to be his like chief of staff or something yeah so point being this guy sucks and is bad and he shouldn't be doing anything to help run our country especially oh, no, top advisor yeah Ryan's previous he's like a, he's like a strategist you got that right yes and then so people have been doing a lot of explainers on who this guy is because a lot of you know, conversation about what his history is, which again, it's interesting because no one seems to give a shit when anyone does anything bad in their past 
anymore. So it's almost like fighting a fight you're going to lose because mm-hmm. no matter what you say about this guy, he's still getting the job. He's still going to be doing this. So it's really He's still upsetting. in a position of power and he's really rich. Yeah. So it's like no matter what we say. But it's interesting. What I love about this call is that one, you point out that Teen Vogue is very woke and bay. I totally agree. They're doing a wonderful job um, educating. Hopefully teens are reading Teen Vogue. Mm-hmm. Do we think teens are actually reading I think Teen they are. Vogue? No, I think they actually are. Okay. So hopefully teens are reading Teen Vogue because they're doing a really good job with all of the coverage that they've been doing is speaking to young women, young people in general. Secondly, you brought up what a lot of people have been saying when they go down the list of things that made Steve Bannon a thing. Basically, he was a investment banker. So that was one thing he did. And he is gets he gets money from the from Seinfeld um, syndication. So, Bobby, can you explain actually how that works? Why? Yes. And again, like this is me trying to use my like my shark tech knowledge to understand finance or money generally. I don't. Um, but I feel like basically, watching, so I can, can I just say gonna, watching Shark Tank though does help you understand. I mean, someone call in and tell us that we are ignorant for thinking that, but I really do learn a lot about the kinds of questions they ask. Yeah, okay. Maybe. I think I or let me put it better. I think I learn a lot. But that's what I'm saying is until somebody proves me wrong that I'm not learning, I feel like when I watch that show, I'm like, oh, you know, when someone comes in and you're like, oh, well, that's not scalable. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm a genius. Put me in you're the like, tank. You're oh, like, that's a, that's a product, not a brand. Um, so this is basically what happened. And again, I'm what I am doing is paraphrasing what I read in Business Insider. But so, you know, at the end of at the end of every Seinfeld episode, you get the Castle Rock logo that's like, do, do, do with the you know the, the yes. lighthouse yes castle rock um was the distributor or like the studio that filmed created seinfeld for all for the entire time it was on the air um they went out of business or they were sold and so back when castle rock was sold steve bannon worked for the like finance company that because he used to work at goldman sachs but then he left goldman sachs and started his own like investment do you know company? how to start castle rock who? Rob Reiner. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Um, so when Castle Rock was trying to... And it's named after s- the town that Stephen King sets all of his books yeah. in. Okay, there you go. Bye. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So Castle Rock was trying to like sell itself. And Steve Bannon, I, again, I'm here, here we go. I'm going to quote specifically. Bannon brought in Ted Turner to the table. But when it was time to close the deal, Turner didn't have enough cash. So in another article I read, apparently this is like sort of par for the course for Ted Turner. He would do this, but he wouldn't have a he wouldn't have enough money. But then he would get someone to like front on the cash, and then he would be able to like expand his media empire. I guess Steve Bannon knew that that was sort of Ted Turner's mo. So Steve Bannon was like, "Look, I will waive my fee to like be this your investment guy to help you broker this deal." if you give me a percentage of Castle Rock or if you give me a percentage of whatever. And so they were like, sure. We don't know how much of a percentage he got, but even if, as all of these articles state, even if he only got 1%, he would have made, since Seinfeld went into syndication, he would have made $31 million. Seinfeld has made these people $3.1 billion in syndication. And so... What they're guessing is the percentage of what he got. Yeah, and they're guessing like the low ball. So it stands like it, he probably got more than 1%. Right. So basically, Seinfeld is one of the main sources of his like vast Which fortune. is insane because the extreme irony of a person running a very anti Semitic website from 
money that he made off Seinfeld reruns. Off Seinfeld, created by uh, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. The two most Jewish men of all time who helped define Jewish culture and make it what it is, and you are Mm -hmm. an anti-Semite. Yeah. Um, Wild. It just shows how nothing is as it seems, seems on the surface in terms of people's motivations. Like, Everyone is a hypocrite in some way, right? You can't, mm-hmm. there was no such thing as a clean slate. Um, so that's Steve Bannon. Really, int- like the Seinfeld stuff is legitimately really interesting. It is um, interesting. I'm glad you asked about that because everything else really has been covered. And it's very straightforward that this is a hateful man who runs a hateful website and does not deserve to be dealing with our country on any level. But it is interesting where he made his money and why we have Breitbart and why we have and, these media sources that are, right. you know... And how it clashes with his, you know, like, alleged ideals. Right. Um, Right. Okay, next call. Hi, Who Weekly. This is Allison, longtime first time. And this is Grant, a first-time listener. And we're having a bit of a fight right now. Is Ryan Seacrest a who or a them? I say he's a who. And I say he's a them because he's doing so much. He's not doing that much that I've heard about. No one cares. So we want to hear your take on this. Thank you so much. I'm really happy Grant is listening to the show. Good form, Bella Thorne. Lindsay and I haven't actually uh, spoken about this call yet, so I don't know what she's going to say, but I'm just going to go ahead and, say, and go first. She, he's, it's, it's, it's the new listener who is correct. Ryan Seacrest is such a them. Ryan Seacrest is them on them. I He's would so love to disagree with you because it's more fun, but I can't even disagree with you. He is a total them. I mean, he isn't he famously like his thing is that he has so many jobs. He has too many jobs. Yeah, his um I think it's him. I think it's him. Um his publicist is always like, well, he's the busiest man in Hollywood. He's I believe married. it. He's the busiest I mean, this is, is a guy who still does radio shows. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, there's no reason for him to be doing radio, but he does, like, American Top 40, yeah. Kiss FM. He does all this stuff right. every day. Every day. And E, he's responsible in part for keeping up with Kardashians. In he part. A lot the, of it. He took the he risk took, on them. He took the place of Dick Clark on the like the biggest New Year's show in America. He hosted American Idol, which was huge. I think the reason why Ryan Seacrest sticks with radio and stuff is I think he really wants to have the legacy of a Dick Clark or a Casey Kasem. Like he wants oh, he, to be known he's as following that, that guy. Model. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. it's kind of irrelevant what else he does. That's what he wants his legacy to be. And I like respect that. He's definitely doing the right things. I mean he I mean it's funny because he also dated Julian Huff, which is great like, oh i forgot as about that. part of his who was he life. dating recently he was dating that uh that model i mean who adriana was he, lima who was he dating yeah remember was that we talked about that dating yes he was dating yeah. her yeah it was adriana lima. <laughs> they <laughs> were in deep dating. love they were in deep emotional oh, they loved each other sexual so love oh, they loved sex with each other so much <laughs> oh my god they loved it but he's absolutely a them i think it i think it's annoying to admit it because he seems so hooey like he's he doesn't it's not that he seems hooey it's like he's not in the he's not in the foreground that much anymore yeah but he's he's in the background of so many things but he's just he's just one of those very prolific hollywood types he's just he's like a harvey weinstein almost in terms of his what he does don't you think harvey weinstein with a good reputation <laughs> okay well Har- yes totally and it's funny yeah. you're right ryan seacrest is very People famously not problematic 
He's like like Billy Bush. Billy Bush would like to be Ryan Seacrest, but Ugh, Billy Bush could never yeah, be Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, fucking right. And like even if people are annoyed by Ryan Seacrest, it's more of like in a sort of childish high schooly way like oh here comes Ryan yeah this dork but he's not a bad guy so there's nothing he's to not... really hold there, you can't really hold a grudge on him it is ho- it's it's when you watch him you're kind of like grown like you would when you watch e-news uh red carpet and Juliana Rancic interviewing celebrities but he definitely has really long relationships with famous people to the point where when he is on the red carpet introduce like interviewing people they genuinely seem at ease with him which I think is very rare and one of kind of what he has created for himself yeah. which is impressive and, and Ryan Seacrest isn't pulling a Billy Bush and Ryan Seacrest isn't even pulling on his same network a, a Juliana Rancic. Ryan Seacrest would never make those like what like her horrible comments about Zendaya last year. No, like, and Ryan he's, Seacrest he's is... been around enough where if there was something bad at this point, if there was something kind of problematic bubbling up, aside from maybe the obvious, which we kind of referred to, which is yeah. none of our business, uh, then you would likely know about it. You know, there yeah. it would be out there and we whatever. So if you want to call and tell us that Ryan Seacrest is problematic, I would love to know because I actually don't. It seems like he has a very spotless record. I'm the type of, of, of individual that loves loves to be busy. I, I'm better busy than, than doing one thing at a time. Can you sit still and not do not, anything? This is the longest I've sat in one place and in you're a miserable. long time. Not miserable, but I'm, you know, I feel like I should go do something. I feel like I should I host something. Uh, there's got to be a show that I've got to do in a minute or somewhere. I know, like, suddenly I'm realizing that I'm a Ryan Seacrest apologist. Um, Both of us are, like, going great. on and on. Whatever. Who cares? Um, next call. Hello, Who Weekly. Thanks for doing such a great podcast and service to everybody. Just wanted to check in and ask if you could explain who Ezra Miller is. I know he's been in a few movies, and I guess he seems to be getting popular. Maybe you could give some details, things I need to know things we need to know anyways all right thanks a lot have a great week bye so this is an older call but i brought it back because i thought it was relevant to now yeah ezra miller is about to be if not everywhere a lot of places right he already kind of is yeah he's kind of been on the come up for a while now hasn't he he is we were talking about this before we started recording ezra sort of started his acting career as the like outcast all emo-y indie guy who's weird yeah um and mysterious and we need to talk about kevin and that weird um right i think uh, he, the perks of being a wallflower he was definitely typecast that way so i think that helped and also there yeah. were some rumors about him kind of just being a difficult uh but i think he was more just like i'm an artist type guy yeah definitely versus being not difficult more just very dig you know had a lot Passionate. of yeah so i think that came off yeah. as difficult but he kind of came up through all these very stereotypical roles that p- portrayed him as emo-y so that didn't help his hunkiness but now he's like a total hunk he suddenly he suddenly became like hunk like hot right. um and a lot of it has to do with the dc he's in the dc universe not the television dc universe that film DC Universe so he's going to be the movie version of The Flash and he is most recently in the Harry Potter prequel yeah and so he's been doing a lot of press for that and I think that's actually a perfect role for him I mean that's just the perfect movie for him is it not he's so Harry Pottery if not he's not British but he might as well be in terms of being so Harry Pottery 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I haven't. I'm not a big Harry Potter person, so I don't I think, know. I think he fits. Um, and the other thing is, it's funny if you go to his Wikipedia personal life, there are two things. One, he identifies as queer, and the other that he was um, arrested for possession of marijuana, which are like my two favorite things about a person. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there is also, wait, there's also this great video of him. I saw this because I clicked because the headline was like, Ezra Miller, yes, Queen Woke Bay defends Native American rights. I was like, wait, hold on. And I clicked the link and it's a video of him answering a question where somebody asked him what his spirit animal is. And he's like, I don't do that. Like, I don't, that's not a term that I, that's like appropriation. And everyone was like, yes, yes, yes queen, woke, yes. <laughs> Native American, which I love. Bay, I love um, it. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, Ezra Miller, totally. <laughs> he's a who, but he's going to be a them. He's um, going to be a them. He's a very thespian actor type where he is good enough and serious enough. And I think people will take him seriously for it to get good roles and be a thing. Yeah. But again, I think we talked about it last time, like with. James Marsden specifically, he's about to have like his hunk moment. The moment that Ezra Miller, I mean, I mean that, uh, check James back Marsden with us got. in five years. Okay, God knows where we're going to be in five. Don't check back with us in don't, five years. Don't, please. <laughs> check back no. with us in six months in Let Us. <laughs> yes. Eight. Eight months. I mean, we'll see. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's a crazy bet to bet on yeah. Ezra Miller in terms of so like who to them dumb Ezra what's your spirit animal what's your spirit animal I I I don't I don't do that I don't I don't identify with a single animal maybe a dinosaur or something that is no longer on the earth mine is the mine's the gray squirrel that's why I'm wearing it that's your Patronus that's my Patronus well isn't that the same thing it's your spirit animal like don't you turn into your Patronus I don't want us to get too cavalier with the language oh I'm sorry I mean it does have a a bearing and a reflection yeah right I mean it's like mm, kind of but it's also like that's sort of an appropriated concept so like serious yeah it feels a little ambiguous like like there's animal medicine that like comes from Native American people and we should really like respect that that's a very serious thing and then there's Patronuses, which comes from J.K. Rowling, which Wait, is also on. a really serious thing we should we should respect and not try to appropriate into our culture. So this is this is where we're gonna end the show, and this is just me improving right now, Lindsay. We had one final call, but I think it would be funnier to just end the show now and play you guys off with this phenomenal call about a Who Weekly fave. I love you um, improving as if this, this was... whole show is an improv. Hi, Who Weekly. I'm a first-time caller, a long-time listener. Um, and I think I've stumbled upon some uh, very scary information today. Um, I was going through Venmo because I owe people a lot of money because I'm garbage. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to pay them all back. Well, this is starting to get very embarrassing. But the point of it is... My friend made a joke saying, do we think Oprah has Venmo? And I was like, no. Do we think Oprah has even heard of Venmo? No. But then I thought, maybe there are some celebrities who have some friends who they might Venmo. And so I ended up finding um, our girl, Bella Thorne, and then some Bachelor in Paradise contestants. And I'm not sure what to do with this information. Like, I went through their Venmo. There were some charges from... Uh, Tyler Posey say, charging her for 
what looks like marijuana. Um, and I don't know what to do. Like, it's public, so they should know, but it feels like a breach of privacy. I, I don't know. I just thought you guys should know. Um, I charged them because I'm a huge fan. They have not fulfilled my request for $20. So, oh, it was a fruitless venture. But I just wanted you to know that there are a few who's on Venmo. And maybe that's a new way to tell if they're a who or them. You don't have to put this call in the air or anything. I just really want some answers on whether this is totally a breach of privacy. Okay, thanks. Love you guys. Good forum, Bella Florin, except pay me back. You will drive us. Bella Thorne put paid Greg Sulkin. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Bella Thorne paid Greg Sulkin. Heart, heart, heart. Oh my it's God! Real. It's real. There's no way that this somebody, is real. There's no way you can, you have to connect your Bella account. Pendergast paid <laughs> Bella Thorne. Ah! Bella Pendergast paid Bella Thorne. Bella Thorne paid Bella Pendergast. Bella Thorne paid Greg Sulkin. Bella Thorne paid Greg Sulkin. Greg Sulkin paid Bella Thorne. Oh my god. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>